There is a lesson to be learned from a story about a church usher who perhaps was a little bit too gruff. The story goes like this. On one particular Sunday in one particular local church, there was a missions emphasis. And there were some missionaries who spoke that day to the congregation. And a special missions offering was taken after the service. An usher was speaking to a fellow, a fellow to whom that usher had passed a plate and noticed the man had passed it on without putting anything in the plate. And the fellow said to the usher, I tell you, I have nothing but praise for our missionaries. And the usher, lacking some tact and some diplomacy, said, you got that right. I noticed that you had nothing but praise for the missionaries when the offering plate went by. Now, we might say, fellow, that was a little bit over the top and maybe a little bit offensive, but I think he got it exactly right. I want you to note on your listening guide, if you're following along, to this truth by way of introduction, and it is this, that our missionaries need more than praise. They need provisions. Listen, they need more than our respect. They need resources. Rather than just saluting missionaries, friends, we are called to support missionaries. I ran across a statement from a missiologist by the name of Gene V. And it really caught my attention. Listen to this. Of every dollar given to a Protestant church in the United States, the average amount that goes to overseas missions is two cents. When I read that, I thought, is this what we're saying to the lost world? We want to give you our two cents worth. The International Mission Board tells us that 59% of the world population is considered unreached. And that means that basically there's no real church planning efforts. Less than 2% of the population in those areas are Christian. And that represents around the world about 4.6 billion people out of the 8 billion people on this planet that are largely unreached with little or no access to the gospel. And how are we doing to support that? I ran across another article that had this startling statement not too long ago. Americans have recently spent more money buying Halloween costumes for their pets than the amount given to reach the unreached. Beloved, friends, these things ought not to be. Well, here in the closing chapter of Philippians, we have some great lessons about missions giving. Paul, of course, 
the first missionary, the great missionary, the great church planner had been sent out from the church at Antioch. And the wonderful folks in Philippi had supported Paul financially on his missionary journeys. And when he gets here to the closing portion of his letter to them, he thanks them for the fact that they have been partners with him, and he thanks them for the way in which they had supported him. And I want you to look on your listening guide at this second introductory truth, and it is this. The Apostle Paul's words to those who supported him contain valuable lessons about any kind of giving. Now, we preached on giving last week, and we looked at how Jesus watched the offering then, and he watches when we give now. And what we're going to talk about today can be applied to any kind of giving through the local church whether it's our ongoing support for the needs of the church giving to the budget, we might say, or whether it comes to special offerings, and especially in this time of year, giving through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to world missions. And like all missionaries, Paul was dependent on the gifts of Christians and of churches for support. And friends, some 3,000 515 Southern Baptist missionaries sponsored by our International Mission Board are depending on folks just like you and just like me for their support. So let's unpack these verses and and learn some valuable truths as we go. Number one, I want to say this to you. I want you to note three simple reminders. Item one, three simple reminders about giving to missions. When we look at this entire passage, Philippians 4, 10 through 20, we can be reminded of some very basic truths when it comes to our giving and our supporting financially people around the world that are lost and missionaries who are trying to reach them. We learn from the Philippian church. We learn from Paul himself. I've got three simple reminders for you. First of all, item A, you'll notice it on the screen. It is this. Giving to missions is motivated by heartfelt concern. Let's go back and read verse 10 now of our passage, the very first verse of our text. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, look at this, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. That is, they didn't have an opportunity to give. But Paul is thanking them. The Philippians were very concerned about Paul. They were interested in how he was doing and how his ministry was going. And and they backed up their concern by giving financial gifts. They participated with Paul in all of his affliction and all of his work and in all of his trouble. And trust me, friends, you read the book of Acts, Paul was almost always getting in trouble, right? As a matter of fact, I want you to look at verses 14, 15, and 16. Paul says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Friends, this is a reminder to us 
that our missionaries are real live people with real live problems and real live needs. I had the privilege to meet earlier this morning with your fine active deacons here and we were talking about missions and some were sharing about going to third world countries and if you've ever been on a mission trip you you see how so much of the church lives and it makes you so appreciative of of your circumstances but I told the fellows this morning what really touches my heart are missionaries who go and live in those conditions and pour out their lives among those people, and they need our support. One such missionary is one for whom our offering this month is named, Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon left a comfortable lifestyle in 1873 to go to a hard place, China. And there she endured isolation. And she endured loneliness. She endured war. And she endured, endured famine. Now, at one point, Lottie Moon had a chance to go home and marry a fellow. But here's what she wrote about that. God had first claim on my life. And since the two conflicted, there could be no question about the result. And so she stayed. And she planted her life there. And when she wrote back home, here's something Lottie Moon said. Please say to the missionaries, they are coming to a life of hardship, responsibility, and constant self-denial. But that reality has not deterred folks from giving their lives to go overseas in hard places over the past 111 years since the death of Lottie Moon. I read a while back about one such Southern Baptist couple. Dr. Doug Page and his wife, Alice, who serve in a remote, rugged corner of Central America. Dr. Page is a physician there. And here were some things he said. It's a brutal place to live, let alone to practice medicine. He said, we are living in a mud home with unreliable electricity. There are harsh winters where the temperature outside is 40 degrees below zero. He said there's ice literally on the walls of our home on the inside. And the hospital where he had to practice, he said, was dirty, poorly equipped. And Dr. Page said that we have to deal with diseases rarely seen in the United States like typhoid fever and tuberculosis and dysentery. But he ministers faithfully there, and he shares Jesus every chance he gets. And here's what he said. We want to be faithful, knowing that we did our best, that we didn't hold anything back. When I read about missionaries like that, friends, I want to do more than pray. I want to write a check. I want to give. I want to support folks like that. Why? Because missions giving is motivated by heartfelt concern. Do you have concern for our missionaries? The initial question is, do you and I really care? You know, in Romans 15, Paul let it be known he didn't want to build on another man's foundation. He wanted to go to places where the gospel had not yet been. That's the very definition of a missionary that crosses over boundaries with the gospel. And why is it that missionaries go? 
Same reason Paul went, because of concern. Why is it that we give to support those missionaries? It is because of concern. We're concerned for them, and frankly, we're concerned for what we looked at on the screen, the lostness that's out there. And folks, it is an absolute emergency. What if you heard the news that every single day there were 190 747s crashing and killing all 660 passengers on board? Every day, 190 jumbo jets crashing. You would say, this is, this is so tragic. This is an emergency. Listen, add that up, and that's the number of lost people who die every day. They don't just go down in flames like a plane. They go down into the flames of hell. Folks, we need to be motivated by concern to get the gospel to those folks. It's a simple reality. Here's the second thing, though, I want you to note item B there, and it is that giving to missions requires humble contentment. Look at what Paul said in verses 11 and 12. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Friend, that's the heart of a missionary. It ought to be our heart. He says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. What was Paul saying? Because of missions, I have been willing to alter my lifestyle. I have become satisfied, content, it's a great secret, with whatever my material conditions might be. And friends, that ought to be true of all of us, especially when it comes with our parting ways with money through the local church, through an offering like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we might want to ask ourselves, if I have to cut back here or do away with this so I can give sacrificially and it alters my lifestyle somewhat, am I still going to be content? I want to tell you what our attitude ought to be, what our hearts ought to say. I may not have all I would like to have, but I have enough to be content because I have made a commitment to be deeply financially invested in missions. Somebody might say, well, I really can't do that. Oh, I want you to look at the screen at this verse. In our passage, look at verse 13, exactly what Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do you believe that? That verse that cry from Paul comes in the context of giving to missions. Friends, I've just dropped by to tell you, we need to quit trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know what happens? You try to keep up with the Joneses, by the time you catch up to the Joneses, the Joneses refinance. Somebody said the average American is somebody who spends money that he doesn't have, on things he doesn't need to put in a house he can't afford to impress people he doesn't even like. What a definition. When are we going to learn the secret that Paul learned? The secret of being content. Instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses, we better try to keep up with the world population 
that is lost and dying and going to hell. And friends, we are way behind. Missions giving. Motivated by heartfelt concern. It requires humble contentment. But here's a third simple reminder I want you to note on the screen. Giving to missions accumulates heavenly credit. Look at what Paul wrote in verse 17 of our text. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is saying more than I need your money, you need to give it because of the dividends. It's going to pay. He says, I want you to see your giving to missions, not as a donation, but as an investment. An investment that's going to draw dividends for you in heaven. Now, their giving and our giving may mean we have less in this world, but friends, we'll have more in the world to come. It's what Jesus meant in the Sermon on the Mount when he said in Matthew 6, 20, lay up treasures in heaven. Folks, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead when you give. To missions and invest in kingdom work around the world. It accumulates heavenly credit. What's your bank account going to look like in glory? Paul said something similar to young Timothy. Look on the screen at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul said, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you get that? It's God who provides us richly with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. Now watch this. To be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. And the future that Paul's addressing there is our future in heaven, in the age to come. Folks, listen to me. When we invest in missions, we are going to draw spiritual interest off the labor and the fruit of missionaries. Every time a soul is saved, every time a person is discipled overseas, through one of our missionaries. We have a part in that. We are partners with them. And we get credit in our heavenly bank account. Paul called it fruit that increases to your credit. You want to know a surefire investment this morning, friends? Give to Christ. Give through His church. Give through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Give to missions. And I promise you, you'll be laying a firm foundation for the future. So those are three simple reminders. But I want you to note item two, as you see on the screen, three significant results of giving to missions. I mean, if we have concern, if we learn the secret of contentment, and we know our giving is accumulating credit, what are the results in the here and now? There are three, and they are significant. Notice item A on the screen. Needed funds are supplied. Paul said it this way in verse 18. I have received 
full payment. And more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you send. I would to God every Southern Baptist missionary could say, because of your giving and mine, I am well supplied. Those needed funds are provided. I had the privilege of serving on our Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee for about seven years, beginning in 2012. And a couple of years after I went on the committee, I was impressed with the president of the executive committee at that time. I wrote down something that he said to us. He said, what I want to do is try to find money so that our entities can do what God has called them to do so that our international mission board will not have over 1,200 missionaries ready to go, but they can't go. Friends, that statement stunned me, and it really broke my heart to think that there were 1,200 folks that had gone through the call and all of the training, and they were ready to go, but they couldn't go because there just wasn't enough money. Friends, God is doing a great work in our day, but there's so much more that could be done. This is no time to pull back. This is a time to accelerate gifts so that needed funds for our missionaries can be supplied. And by the way, 100% of everything that we'll give through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering will go directly to our missionaries on foreign fields. Would you ask God, as I will, to release a spirit of generosity in the Crossroads Community Church this month. So we'll give to missions. That's the significant results. We supply the needs of missionaries. But notice item B on the screen. This is important. God's favor is secured. Paul says of the gifts that the people have given to support his mission efforts, verse 18, it's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Just like in the Old Testament when they would put those grain offerings or those animal offerings on the altar, over and over and over, if you read your Bible in the Old Testament, the smoke of that offering would go up like a sweet-smelling savor that was pleasing to God. I want to ask a question. Do you not want your life to be pleasing to God? I'm telling you, friends, there's nothing like it to know that you've got the smile of God on your life. I was reading just yesterday out of Malachi, and in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 9, this isn't on the screen, but the Lord says you need to entreat the favor of God. And when you read that passage, he says, you're not going to have the favor of God putting those polluted offerings on the altar. I wonder how many blemished offerings, how many polluted offerings do we bring when it's not all we could do, when it's not the best that we could do. In Malachi, it's called getting the favor of God. Friends, I promise you this. When we give to missions, God is worshipped. By the way, I hope that you'll see giving, any kind of giving for what it is. It is an act of worship. It comes from a heart that says, Lord, you have given so much for me, and I want to give the best that I can 
to you. When we give, folks, we say, God, we love you. God, we adore you. God, we worship you. God, we praise you. Look on the screen at verse 20, if you would, of this text. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul said that at the end of his letter thanking these folks for what they had given. It means spiritual accumulation for us, and it means spiritual adoration for him. Funds are supplied. God's favor is secure. But notice, if you would, item C. Here's a third significant result. Our faith is stretched. Well, we love to quote this verse, do we not? Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But friends, please lean into this. That verse comes in the context of Paul's writing to them about their giving, specifically their missions giving. I think that that promise being fulfilled in our life of God meeting all of our needs is predicated on our giving to Him. You see, I believe that when we are generous, that God does what? He replenishes what we have shared generously. It's called the law of reciprocity. Let me give you a couple of verses. First of all, look at Luke 6, 38. These are the words of Jesus. These are words in red ink on white paper. Jesus says, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's not a Baptist preacher talking. That's the Lord Jesus himself. God can and God will meet our needs. He'll even raise up people that will invest in us and supply our needs. But it depends on the condition of our giving. We need to be obedient in this area. And friends, we need to realize that whatever we have to give was given to us by God to begin with. I want you to look on the screen at this verse. 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Something David said after the people of God had, had given a stupendous offering. He says this, but who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able thus to offer willingly. Look at this. For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. Parents, you know that if your little kid brings you a $15 tie, fellas, well, you can't get a tie for $15. If your kid brings you a $30 tie, it's because you gave that child $30, right? But you're still blessed by it. And whatever we give to God is that which he's placed in our hand. I'm just asking, does it not stand to reason that God would put more in our hands if he knew our heart was inclined to give more to him? Two passages from Paul. I want you to look on the screen. First, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He's speaking about in our giving. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody said, yeah, but he'll take it from a grouch. I, I know that, but listen, he loves it when we give cheerfully. That word cheerful in the original language is the word hilario. It's the word from which we get the word hilarious. Have you ever thought of your giving as something hilarious? <laughs> I love to give. That's the thrust of that particular word. And here it is, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Is that not enough? All sufficiency in all things at all times? I want you to look at something he wrote in verses 10 through 11 of that ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will provide or produce thanksgiving to God. He just replenishes our generosity. He gives us more seed to sow. Will you trust God? Will you let him stretch your faith? It really does come down to a matter of trust. I heard a preacher say one time, and I like it, he said, talk is cheap. When it comes to giving, you need to put your money where your mouth is. Amen. Oh, we love missions. We love missionaries. We're concerned for the lost. Let's trust him. Let's let him stretch our faith as we give through the Lottie Moon offering this month. There's a lost world waiting to hear. There are trained and, and surrendered missionaries ready to go, but they can't go. And they can't be sustained unless we do what we're supposed to do through our giving. We love to sing this time of year, joy to the what? World. Joy to the world. Friends, it's one thing to sing joy to the world, but what God wants is not only for the world to have joy, but for you to have joy. I want you to drop that conclusion, and I want you to note this first truth there. When we give to missions, we will bring joy to the world and to ourselves. Look at what the book of Acts records. Dr. Luke recorded Acts 20, verse 35, in all things, this is Paul speaking to the elders at Ephesus, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You believe that? You believe you're more blessed by God when you give than even when you receive. I told the deacons this morning that the word miserable in it has the word miser. And some of the most miserable people I've ever seen are miserly people that do not have the spirit of generosity, that do not give as they ought to. And I told the fellas this morning this as well. If you could be where I am, especially like last Sunday and this Sunday preaching on giving, there's something I always notice. And by the way, I love preaching on giving because I know what it's done in my life. I know what it'll do for you. I don't have any more problem telling you you ought to give than I have telling you you ought to pray. It's for your benefit besides blessing the world.
But I said to the fellows, when I preach on giving, there's certain people in the congregation that just light up like a light bulb. And they look like those bobblehead dolls. They're just grinning. They're, they're nodding. They're smiling. And I know this about those people. They have discovered the secret of giving. And they're some of the happiest, most joyful people on the planet. I trust that that will be you. Drop to that conclusion and note this. Whatever we do this Christmas, let's be sure that we don't forget whose birthday we are celebrating. It is Jesus. And I know exactly what he wants for his birthday. He wants us to give to mission. Amen, church. Amen. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The band and praise team leaders are going to be making their way here to the platform. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of praise. Oh, praise the name. I'll be here at the front to greet you. Brother Brandon is nearby. If anybody today has any commitment of life, you need to come. You need to take us by the hand. Maybe to receive Christ. Before you can really support missionaries or be a missionary, it may just be your mission field. And maybe today is the day you need to give your heart and life to Jesus. Or maybe you've done that, but you need to follow through with baptism. Or maybe you need to join this church today, move your membership here. Or maybe you just need prayer. Whatever the commitment of life, you can make an altar of your chair right there. You can come. Brandon will be here. I'll be here. Just obey the Lord. Father, we ask you, as we come to this invitation time, to have your way and to give courage to those that need to respond. May they come as you draw them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.